Amen. Our scripture lesson today comes from the Gospel of John in the 17th chapter, a variety of verses. Listen for God's word to us this day. Jesus looked up to heaven and said, I have made your name known to those whom you gave me from the world. They were yours, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they know everything you have given me is from you, for the words that you gave me I gave to them, and they have received them, and know in truth that I came from you, and they have believed that you sent me. While I was with them, I protected them in your name that you have given me. I guarded them, and not one of them was lost, except the one destined to be lost, so that the scriptures might be fulfilled. But now I am coming to you, and I speak these things in the world, so that they may have my joy made complete in themselves. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, because they do not belong to the world just as I do not belong to the world. I'm not asking you to take them out of the world, but I ask you to protect them from the evil one. They do not belong to the world just as I do not belong to the world. Sanctify them in truth. Your word is truth. As you have sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. For our younger listeners this morning... I have three things for you to be listening for. The first, why do I identify with the disciples? The second, what does sanctify or sanctified mean? And the third, what kind of work is also worship? So three things to be listening for. The thing about the Gospel of John is, for me, It takes a lot of slow re-reading to understand what on earth is going on. It's mental gymnastics for me to decipher the circular language where words and phrases get repeated over and over, but in slightly different iterations, so much so that I lose track of who is saying what and to whom and about whom. So it's important to read not only the text given the day for the day, which we just did, but also what happens right before and right after the passage. What we learn from doing that with this text is that Jesus has been talking with his disciples about how he will not be with them much longer. He says this, A little while, and you will no longer see me, and again in a little while, and you will see me. Then some of his disciples said to one another, What does he mean by saying to us, A little while, and you'll no longer see me, and then a little while, and you will see me? We don't know what he's talking about. Really identify with the disciples there. But even in the midst of their confusion, Jesus keeps at it. And the disciples seem to start getting the sense of what he's talking about. And he tells them that in a little while they will be scattered to their homes and they will not be with him. Then scripture says, after Jesus had spoken these words, he looked up to heaven and said, and then we get the words of the prayer that we read. The prayer which ends, Righteous Father, the world does not know you, but I know you, and these know that you have sent me. I have made your name known to them, and I will make it known, so that the love with which you have loved me 
may be in them, and I in them. Now, during this prayer, it's not clear if Jesus has walked away, as he often does, to pray to God all by himself, or if this time he's just stopped where he was and began talking to God instead of his disciples. I'm really taken with this idea that he stayed right there in the middle of the disciples and prayed over and with and for them so that they could hear the words spoken on their behalf. Can you imagine what that might have felt like? To have Jesus stop what he's doing and begin to pray for your continued protection? To pray with words of such intimacy and personal protection about you? To directly ask God for you to be sanctified, meaning to be made holy and set aside for holy use. And then to have Jesus bless you and send you out into the world. I'm going to invite you to close your eyes. I do mean it. Close your eyes and imagine that Jesus is sitting with you. Perhaps his hand is on your shoulder or he's holding your hands. And listen as he prays. God, I have come from you. And while I have been here, you have entrusted me with these beloved children of yours. I have taught them about you and given them your words. I have shared your love and they believe in you. This has not been easy, as to follow me and to love you, God, means acting differently than the world expects us to act. It means doing things that are not popular. It means loving people who seem unlovable. It means giving up what the world thinks we should hold on to with all of our might. Protect them. Support them. Bless them. And help them see that the work they do is holy and it's work that is blessed by you. And God, create for them ways to share your love with the world, remembering that my love is with them, always. You can open your eyes now. What did that feel like? For me, I felt seen, and known and loved. I just finished reading A Rhythm of Prayer, a collection of meditations for renewal edited by Sarah Bessie. It's a collection of prayers and reflections by a host of really incredible women, some of whom I'd read of or heard of before, and others who were brand new to me. I commend this book to you. It is absolutely worth having on your nightstand. One of the reflections was written by a woman that I am so honored to be called to call a colleague, the Reverend Mihi Kimcourt. She's written books and articles and essays that are all fabulous, and she's now the co-pastor of First Presbyterian Church in Annapolis, Maryland. She has three kids, and she sat next to me in some very long meetings when I was very pregnant, and then in subsequent meetings, which were also very long, when I had a young child. And mostly without knowing it, she really helped me to think about and embrace 
what it means to be a mother and a pastor at the same time. She's an incredible theologian, and she's real. So I want to read to you from her reflection entitled, This is How We'll Make It. She's been talking about how weighty and somber the world is with the news of war and violence and family separation and environmental disasters. And she shares a memory of singing in the car with her kids on the way to school back when that was a thing. And as they are children of two pastors, they would often ask for church songs like the Kyrie, which translates to, Lord, have mercy upon us. Christ, have mercy upon us. Lord, have mercy upon us. She writes this. The Kyrie sometimes feels like a protest chant, its persistent roots hanging off, reminding me of the life that anchored it to the soil, words that live always on the edge of winter and spring, because even as we sing these words calling for mercy, we do so with the hope and the belief that God's mercy is already there. So I keep going. I roll out of bed and land on my knees, push myself up, keep putting one foot in front of the other and do the sanctified work that is breathing. And I keep looking, keep seeing, keep feeling, keep trying to love like there's no tomorrow. Love hard, love recklessly, hug a little longer. Play those irrational and illogical games with the twins. Read that board book with Ozzy for the 917th time. Try to answer Andy's question about the schedule for the 15th time without exasperation. Let bath time be like a baptism each night. And let the sweat that rolls off my face after a long run be an anointing. Laugh, cook, drink, clean, make a huge mess, sit and stare out the window. Let all of it mean something. Gratitude, earnestness, hope. Let it mean that life is abundant. And tell my children stories about this abundant life, how it's meant to be shared, how it's meant to be experienced by every single human being, even if it means we might have to tell the stories that are sad and hard. Because those are the ones that will shape their empathy and compassion. All of it, all of it is necessary for life right now. All this work is worship. And it's how we'll make it. All this work is worship. And it's how we'll make it. Jesus prays with and for and over you, blessing your life and the work that you are called to, which in turn calls you into a lifelong response to God in all aspects of your life your vocation. And this vocation can include your career, but it also includes how you spend your time and the way you live, walk, and talk in this world. Jesus prays that your vocation might be blessed and set apart for use in the sharing of the message of God's love for all people. Now, you might be thinking, easy for you to say, Lindsay, your job is to literally preach the good news. <laughs> but friends, in reality, I spend way more time talking with clerks in the checkout aisle at Target 
and rejoicing when the letter carrier arrives with a package we've been waiting for, and video messaging with friends across the country who are trying to figure out what to do next in their life and what it means that they can now be vaccinated but their young children can't, and trying to figure out if there are ethically and sustainably sourced shoes that I might be able to find to help with my competing desire for cute shoes and a healthier planet and trying to figure out how to explain and sit with my children in this messy and ugly and infinitely beautiful world that we live in and help them to know that they are loved and valued and that that in turn means that they have a responsibility to love and value everyone else, even the kid who cuts them in line for the monkey bars. And planting flowers whose scents remind me of growing up and will bring pollinators to the yard and getting grumpy about all the weeding that needs to happen while trying to remember to water the new plants every other day so they might live. And saying goodbye to neighbors who are moving and welcoming new neighbors to the neighborhood and finding postcards that bring joy and a reminder of our connectedness. I spend so much more time doing all of those things than I do in this sanctuary, talking so directly and specifically about God's love for you and the world. But I believe me, and I find challenge and comfort in her words, all this work is worship, and it's how we'll make it. For one reason or another, we all need to hear Jesus' prayer, a prayer spoken on our behalf. Holy God, protect them from the evil one. Sanctify them in truth. Make your name known to them so that the love with which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. You are known. You are loved. You, you have been blessed. May you live in a way that believes and trusts all of these things. May you live and work and pray and sing so that God can use you anywhere and any time that your life might be a part of God's love and service in and for the world. Hallelujah. <laughs>